0: Well, my name is Gary Albritt and I'm the preaching minister here at Shiloh Road and I want to say thank you for stopping in and checking out one of our sermons. It's my hope that this message will inspire you and help you to follow Jesus more closely during such a difficult time in our country's history. Wherever you find yourself, whatever you're going through, my hope is this message and these words will be a blessing to your life. Well, last week... Matt began our series, Wilderness and Wanderings. And so today we're going to continue that. And I think it seems kind of ironic that we're in this series that was planned out months and months ago. Because in some ways it does feel a bit like a time of wilderness and wondering. We're we're wondering what's going on. But when we talk about the wilderness in Scripture, the wilderness um, is a physical location that the people of Israel find themselves in. But the wilderness is more than that. It's also this metaphor. Because the wilderness is a place that is vast. It is um, void of, of basically anything. It is dry. But more than anything else, it's a place of isolation. It's a place where you find yourself by yourself. And it's possible to be in the wilderness and find yourself in isolation as a group of people or maybe even as an individual. And so the wilderness is this prominent theme that runs throughout Scripture. But the wilderness brings with it a lot of questions. It brings the question of when will it end? When when does the wilderness end? As far as a time, where does it end? As far as a location, how, how far does it stretch? Because we can see nothing around us but wilderness, desert. And it's this dry place where we're isolated and where we're cut off. And it also brings more questions. What is it that leads people into the wilderness? What, what is it that carries them there? That, that guides their steps there, that causes them to get there. How did they get there? Maybe a bigger question is: where is God in the wilderness? And then maybe the question of what do we do as we find ourselves in the place of wilderness? And so today I want to look at the life of a leader in the Bible whose name Moses. And Moses spends a large portion of his life in the wilderness looking. And so I want to look for a few moments this morning as Moses as a leader, leading the people of Israel, but maybe the bigger leading himself. John Maxwell says that leadership is influence, and everyone has influence somewhere It may be influence over a company, a church. It may be over a group. Maybe in your home, in a family setting that you find yourself as a leader and you have this influence. But I want to talk about a really specific area this morning of leadership. And it's the ability to lead yourself. Because the most difficult person you will ever lead is yourself. You can stand before people and you can try to lead them. But if you can't lead yourself well, then your leadership will not go very far. And so I want to start towards the end of this first little section of Moses' life. It's 30 years, 40 years into the life of Moses. And Moses has had this crazy life especially by our standards today. He was basically abandoned by his mother, and there was good reason, but he was placed in a basket and kind of put up for adoption. As he floats down a river, he's found, and he's pulled into the household of Pharaoh, where he's raised there in this Egyptian culture with power and prestige and prominence. This is the life of Moses. And you could say it's all good, but there are so many things looking back through the life of Moses that made his life probably really difficult. And as he comes to the end of this first part of his life in Egypt, is working in Pharaoh's house and, and a son of Pharaoh, it says this. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and he watched them at their hard labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. And looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and he hid him in the sand. Going on, the The next day he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew?" The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? And Moses said, he was afraid, and thought, what I did must have become known. And I love that that phrase from the life of Moses, what I did must have become known. And there's this moment in Moses' life that I think all of us can relate to. It's that moment when we think, oh no, I've been found out. People know what I did. They know the lie. They know about the affair. They know about the addiction. And it's all out in the open. And once everyone else knows, it changes everything for me. And if you've been there, you can relate because there's this feeling of anxiety that just starts in your stomach and runs throughout your body. There's the lump in your throat and the, the cold sweats and the worrying about what will happen next because everything is going to change from this moment forward. And Moses has this moment, I'm afraid and what I've done must be known by everyone else. And the sense of, Fear and worry comes over Moses. And then it says, When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. And the story begins with this very much entitled leader. Moses is right around 40 years old and he belongs in the house of Pharaoh and everything in his life is good and people report to him and he has responsibility and he matters and he is important and he's entitled and Moses finds himself having to run from the person that he had created from the persona that he was basically now afraid of. He goes from the palace to the parched land. And it forces his life to go in a different direction. Maybe you've been there. Maybe a decision that you've made, a choice that you've made, a way that you have lived has forced your life to go a different direction. What I know from Moses is it forces him into the place of wilderness. It forces him outside of what he knows. And it makes him live in the wilderness and become comfortable there as he settles down. And he begins to accept that this is just the new normal. This is the way things will be. And it seems hopeless when you find yourself in that place. It's the question, will things always be as they are now? What a question for our world right now. Will things always be like this? How will things change going forward? Will this change and reshape our world the way that 9-11 did? What's going to happen as we move forward? Maybe on a personal note for you, it's the question, what now? I've been found out. People know who I am. People know what's going on inside. People can see behind the scenes. And now my life is forced in a different direction. What's fascinating in this story, in just a few moments, we're going to turn the page. We're going to move from chapter 2 to chapter 3, and we're going to see a very different Moses. So I said just a moment ago that we were going to turn the page and move from chapter 2 into chapter 3. And when we do that, we see a very different leader. A very different person. And so I want to read from Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of his father Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him from flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. While the bush, or why the bush is on fire, but does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, Moses called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, the Lord said. And Moses said, here am I. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Do you see such a dramatically different Moses. Now, granted, this is about 40 years later in his life. Moses at this point is near the age of 80, and he's gone from this very um, entitled leader who is so sure of himself and the strong sense of justice to a very reluctant leader. He's not sure of what's happening. And if you listen to the rest, you can almost hear the tremble in Moses' voice as God calls him. Because he's confronted with the situation where he's going to have to go back and confront who he was. He's going to have to go back and face the person that he created, the person that he was forced to run from, the person that caused him to be in the wilderness himself. And that's difficult, difficult at that time. You go to this place where now I have to deal with the person that I created in my past, and our past will hang over us, and it will haunt us. But what Moses must learn first in the wilderness is that he must lead himself. So Moses learns that he must first lead himself through the wilderness. Before he can lead Israel through the wilderness. Before he ever gets to lead other people. He first must lead himself. He must become comfortable in his own skin. Comfortable with who he used to be and now who he was. Comfortable with what he did and comfortable with his past. As painful as it might be. And so Moses, tending the flock, Someone else's flock, his father in law, walking through the wilderness, and he sees a bush that's on fire. And this voice calls out from within the bush and says, Moses, Moses. And it grabs Moses' attention. It, it wasn't that it grabbed Moses' attention through a voice. It grabbed his attention because he saw it. And it wasn't until he saw the bush on fire that God spoke to him. There's a lot of ancient rabbinic tradition around this passage. And one of the traditions says that the bush had been on fire this whole time. But it was only after 40 years in the wilderness that Moses was able to actually see it, to notice it. I love the way the ESV translate translates this verse and says that Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. I'm going this direction. I've been forced this direction by my choices, by my mistakes, by my past. And I've been going and going and going, but now I notice something. After 40 years in the desert, in the wilderness, I noticed something that I had not seen before. It opened my eyes to see things around me differently. And I think our past can do that. As we journey, we begin to see the world differently. Is it hangs over our head and it feels heavy and weighty and that thought of what I did must have become known begins to settle in and we begin to live with it and we become comfortable with it. It becomes very difficult to see everything else. It becomes very difficult to hear the voice of God. I noticed this morning, the last few days I said have been hectic. Trying to figure out what we do and how we respond as a church, where we go and how we meet and how we gather, and all the plans and the preparation and the the technology side of this. How is it going to work? And I've noticed I've done a lot of good things for God, but I haven't spent as much time in the presence of God. I think life does that to us, it makes it difficult. And so 40 years later, Moses' voice changes. And God tells him he's going to go to Egypt Egypt to go to see Pharaoh and tell him to let the people go. Moses says, I'm not good enough. I don't have all the answers. The people won't believe me. I can't speak well. I'm not qualified. But for every one of Moses' excuses, God has an answer. And his answer is always more than enough. His answer is he's going to be there. He's going to go with him. He's going to prepare him. He's going to be with him in that place and prepare him for what he's going to face so that he's not facing it on his own. What an amazing promise. That regardless of what's going on in our life, in our world right now particularly, that the presence of God will go with you. He will be there, and He's not going to leave you or forsake you. And He's not going to use you to change this world because you are skilled. He's going to use you to change this world because you are obedient to His voice. That you're willing to listen to what God tells you to do. That You show obedience to Him. So go, I'm sending you into the wilderness. And I think this phrase is so important. Go, I am sending you. It's God saying, go, you can't stay here any longer. Because of what you've experienced, your life has changed and things are different now. You can't stay where you once were. Yes, it might have been your sin that led you here. But it's changed you, and the wilderness has shaped you and formed you, and you cannot stay here any longer. In fact, if you do stay in the place that you've been, the place that you've been comfortable, it's going to create a problem. Because it's possible for your past to poison you. It's possible to hang out around it so much that it begins to define you and shape who you are. There was this camping trip I went on with a group of Boy Scouts when I was in high school. And we have a bunch of teenage boys. We're running through some field in West Texas along this trail. And we come to this fork in the road. And right in the center of the fork in the road was this massive rattlesnake. And it's sitting here looking at us. I didn't take this picture. Um, (laughs) Thank you, um, Internet. Um, But we run into this rattlesnake. And you can imagine this group of 14-, 15-, 16-year-old boys daring each other. You want to get closer? And then we start looking around trying to find a stick because we think if we can find a long enough stick and where are you going to find a long stick in East or west Texas? Um, thinking we could find a stick and poke it or we can throw rocks at it or who can get the closest to the snake. And thankfully one of our leaders who is a good bit older than us comes up behind us on the road and he sees the commotion and he sees this group staring and he notices the snake and he stopped us all from doing some things that were probably really not smart because you never know how far that's going to go with teenagers but the the safe bet was the longer we hung around that snake the better chance we had for something to happen that was bad the longer we stayed there, the longer the chances were that it could poison us. And thankfully, he told us, no, you need to get away from here. You need to go somewhere else. Let's go a different direction. And so when confronted by the snake, we turned and we went the other way. Because we knew if we stayed there any longer, it could end really bad. And I think Moses gets to this point in the, de- in the wilderness, in the desert, Where God says, okay, you've been transformed. You've been reshaped. You're not this entitled leader. Now you're a very reluctant leader. Now you're going to go where I'm sending you. Now you're going to go and I need you to be the person that the wilderness and my presence in the wilderness has formed you and shaped you into. Now you are ready to lead So Moses has found himself in this crazy place where God is calling him and telling him to go to Pharaoh. And this very reluctant Moses, 80 years old, begins this new journey. And if you don't know the story, God is going to send these 10 plagues, which is fascinating right now in our world. I think there are so many things that we can relate to in these ten plagues. Right now in Africa, there are these swarms of locusts going on, and and as researchers and scientists are talking about it, they keep saying locusts of biblical proportions. We we can relate. We we know that this is part of the story. Of Moses, or even right now with this coronavirus that's sweeping the globe, God uses those things that look so bad to bless those people, to bless the people of God and to lead them and to set them free. Somehow, good comes out of it. And God leads the people through the Red Sea. He leads them into this wilderness, and the next stop is the promised land. The next stop of the journey. The only thing is it's going to be another 40 years. And for Moses, he's just spent 40 years in the wilderness by himself. Now, the isolation is going to be felt in this massive group of people. He's going to feel the aloneness that a leader feels, and he's going to have to rely on what he learned in the wilderness is now he learns to lead the people through the wilderness, leading them where he once was. And I could not tell you, Moses' story is remarkable, the way that he leads people, even though they grumble and complain and they're mad at him. We don't have the water, we don't have food, we don't have what we need. Why did you bring us here? Let's just go back to Egypt. It was better there. We wish we were slaves again. And constantly wanting to go back over and over and over. And then at the culmination is Moses is nearing the end of his life. Moses has got to be 110, 115, maybe even close to 120 years old at this point. And the people start to rebel. His sister, his wife, his brother, they they start rebelling against him and they want to, to oust him as the leader. And the rest of the people rise up against Moses. And it says they want to stone him and then appoint a new leader and go back to Egypt. And all of this is going going on. And Moses, I would imagine, is angry. But Moses, during this time, doesn't let his anger show to the people. He simply begins to pray and intercede. On their behalf to God. And he continues to remind God of the promise that God has made to his people that he would be good and that his presence would go with him. And throughout this journey in the wilderness, you constantly see Moses praying and seeking God's presence. And his presence is going with them in this cloud that's hovering over them. And Moses is constantly trying to get to the point where he's in God's presence where it's God that's leading these people, and it's not Moses himself. And then comes to me the most disheartening part of this whole story of Moses' life. Numbers chapter 20. And the Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. And so Moses took the staff from the Lord, Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? And Moses raised his arm, and he struck the rock twice with his staff, and water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But... The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me, because you did not trust in me, enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. And I hear that part of the story. And it honestly makes me a little bit angry. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Because I've heard what Moses dealt with leading the Israelites. And all I can think is that is not fair. Seriously. The last 80 years basically in the wilderness leading these people the last 40 years, complaining, grumbling, doing what they shouldn't, and then Moses, one mistake, one time, he doesn't listen to the presence of God. And all I can think is that is not fair. A few weeks ago, we were at home, and my youngest daughter, Kaylee, had something happen. I I wasn't even around. And then all I hear is Kaylee goes, that's not fair. And Caleb from the other room goes, Kaylee, life's not fair. (laughs) And It's so funny to hear out of the mouth of a seven-year-old. Life's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair where the people were. It's not fair that Moses is going to be kept out, and and I kept thinking, why, why, why does God keep Moses out of the wilderness? Until something occurred to me. God doesn't keep Moses out of the wilderness. Moses keeps Moses out of the wilderness. It was Moses' choice to be obedient to God's voice, It was Moses' choice to do as God had led him. It was Moses that kept Moses out. See, here's the thing. Your past may follow you. It doesn't have to define you, but it may follow you. It may be very difficult to break away from. Your past may also determine the directions that you're able to go. Your your choices and your past may determine whether your marriage makes it or not. Your your choices may determine whether you get to keep your job or not. Your, Your choices have consequences, and your choices will affect other people. They always do. And here's the thing. I don't think it was Moses. There's no possibility you could ever get in, but I do think it's Moses' You're out of time. This is where life will end. and That's what's so funny about this story. We always think about the wilderness as just this phase that we're going through. You know, you hear people say that, you know, the desert is not the destination. It's just something that you're going through. But what about for Moses? For Moses, the wilderness will be the end. For Moses, that's where the story will find its conclusion for his life. And Moses' life ends as he climbs up onto this mountain, the side of this mountain. And there he can look out and he can see the promised land. And yet all the time in this story, from the time that Moses strikes the rock, to the moment that he dies on the side of the mountain, overlooking the promised land. You never hear Moses say, this is not fair. God, why don't you give me another chance? You never see him begging and pleading, no, we've got to go. Because in my mind, that's what his life, those last 40 years have been about, is getting everyone, including myself, to the promised land. That's the most important thing. I've got to get the people there. And then I'm going to die with the promised land just Right beyond my touch. I'm never going to experience it. And my thought is this has got to be so disheartening. How, how in the world could this happen to Moses, who's led so faithfully for so long? And I noticed something in the story. Something struck me as I was reading it over and over and over. God does not leave Moses. He tells him you're not going to go to the promised land. But he does not leave him. He does not abandon him. He does not give up on him. In fact, he still uses Moses to lead the people just to the edge of the promised land. And appoint a new leader. And you think, how in the world, how in the world could Moses spend his whole life striving for this one thing, just to get to the promised land and get so close you could touch it and then not get to go in? How in the world could Moses possibly be comfortable with that? How could he be at peace and how could he not be angry? Something occurred to me. See, it wasn't that Moses didn't want to get to the promised land. No, it was that Moses had found something better than the promised land. It was the presence of God. That there was something that Moses found that he could be at peace with. Yes, I understand I'm not going to get to the promised land, the place I've been striving and working my whole life to get to. I understand I'm not going to get it, but I'm okay Because I've already found what I have been searching for this whole time and what I have been leading people to. I've had it the whole time and I just didn't realize it. It was the presence of God and it has been with me all along. It never has left me. It has always led me. Even when I made mistakes, even when I was disobedient, the presence of God was there. I think right now in our world, people need that reminder more than ever. That no matter what is going on around you, no matter what kind of wilderness you find yourself in or we collectively find ourselves in, no no matter the wondering and no matter the questions, when will this end? Where will this end? Where is God in this moment? The, The answer is God is there with you. Despite your past, despite your mistakes, God's not promising you that it will all be better and all be different and all be the same and all be the way that you imagined and thought it would be and should be and is only fair to be. But He does promise that His presence will go with you. His presence will guide you. And for Moses, it is enough that he can lay down and die